Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's up, and welcome into the Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sellerson, filling in for Sean Kelly, who is getting ready to travel with the Saints to St. Louis, where they'll take on the Rams tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Central. We are one day away from seeing some Saints football and a chance to see the players hit someone other than each other. We'll have plenty of interviews to get you ready for tomorrow's game. Today on the show, quarterback Luke McCown talks to Sean Kelly about the upcoming game and his training camp so far. Also yesterday, Sean was able to catch up with ESPN NFL guru John Clayton. Have you seen that ESPN Sports Center commercial? The one with John Clayton is definitely one of the best ones out there. Also, we'll start our preview of tomorrow's game and get a St. Louis perspective as Scott Warman from KMOX Radio in St. Louis will talk a little Rams football later on in the show. Breaking news this morning out of the NBA, the Cavs have reached a deal with the Timberwolves to acquire Kevin Love in exchange for former number one pick Anthony Bennett, this year's number one pick Andrew Wiggins, and a protected 2015 first round pick. The deal won't be official until August 23rd since Andrew Wiggins has to be under contract a month before being allowed to be traded. Again, this is not official, but Yahoo Sports broke the news this morning. And also, Kevin Love agrees to sign an extension with the Cavs. So LeBron has another big three this time in Cleveland with him, Love, and Kyrie Irving. Those three combined to average over 70 points per game last season. With the West so tough, it's nice to see a superstar head back to the East. Adios, Kevin Love. Back to football for those fans wanting to watch some football. There are six preseason games scheduled tonight, and two of those will be on TV. 49ers vs. Ravens will be on NFL Network at 6 p.m. Central, followed by Dallas at San Diego. No one is talking about the rematch of last season's Super Bowl matchup between Seattle and Denver. That one's also on tonight, but not on TV. Well, enough from me. Let's get going. Coming up later, ESPN's John Clayton, Scott Warman from KMOX St. Louis. But up next... Saints quarterback, Luke McCown.
there's no better time to join your Pelicans as we take flight. All-star Anthony Davis is taking his team to the next level, and the Pelicans are soaring to new heights. 2014-15 season tickets are on sale now and start at less than $300, with lower bowl options as low as $37 per game. Season ticket benefits include the best seat locations, discounts on concessions, and much more. Take flight with the Pelicans. For more info, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. Lotto is all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Quarterback Luke McCown's our guest. You got a busy week ahead of you, don't you? Very busy. Very busy. Looking forward to it. The um, the dynamic of where we are in camp. Can you help me put it into words? Well, you you like to think that you're you're closing in on uh, you know wrapping up your install, but in reality. Uh, only more is going to come. Uh, you know, we, we still have uh, plenty of work to do in camp, uh, plenty of things to, to, to tighten up and get better at. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I know a lot of the talk starts to talk, uh, turn towards preseason games, but uh, we still got to focus on being sharp at what we do uh, before we can consider, you know, talking about the Rams. Does the list does the list start to snowball a little bit now at this point? Do you almost feel like, gosh, we're, we're – you know, I still got to do this. I still got to do this. Or is it is it seem in sync right now? Um, it it kind of goes in, you know, spurts. Uh, the defense will have their days. The mm-hmm. offense will have their days. And uh, I guess the point of that is you just kind of you, you get tired of seeing the same pressures. They get tired of seeing the same formations, right. the same concepts, the same personnels. But but ultimately it, it comes down to you know how do you execute what you do? Um, you know, you're not game planning versus your defense, and they're not game planning versus us. So uh, whether or not they're seeing the same formations over and over again, it's about executing what's called for them, for us, for everyone. And so uh, we're just at that point in training camp where it's time to start tightening up the screws uh, on what we do and, and, and sure up those things. That way when uh, small wrinkles are added during a, a normal game plan week, um, you know, we're ready to go. Yeah. One less quarterback this week to make all the throws. How, how's your arm? And I'm, I'm being serious about that. Yeah, good. I mean, look, it's um, I've always had a rubber arm. I've always had a you know been a guy that could could throw all day. I've never had an issue with sore uh, elbow or arm. Or so uh, I feel great. I think the weather helps a lot. Yeah. You know, up here in West Virginia, and the uh, the Advocare Performance Center is just it's amazing. Um, you know what this this weather will do for you. Uh, you know, especially the the older you get, right? Uh, but uh, it, it's really been good. Pitchers ice, pitchers throw bullpens in between starts, those kind of things. Do you have a program that you use to help maintain that rubber arm? Yeah, sure. I mean, it, you know, we we do some some ART work, some some active recovery and stretching and things like that with uh, with the training staff, and um, and that that helps you. You know, when you feel like man, man my arm is just dead today, you go in and get a little work done. Uh, you come out and you feel better the next day. We we know about the the established receivers in the program. 
Tell me something about the young guys that you've learned over the last two weeks, and well, be as specific as you want. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think you've seen the the dynamic that Brandon Cooks yeah. brings to the table. His quickness is uh, is rare, I believe. Um, you know, I think Nick Toon has had a great camp. You know, and he's a guy that uh, had limited opportunities last year, uh, and and is looking forward to taking a, a step forward for himself this year. Um, and I think he's done a great job. Um, you know, we're we're looking. At Joe Horn coming back, yeah. uh, say Joe, Joe Horn, Morgan, yeah. Joe Morgan, uh, Joe, Joe Horn's a long time ago. He'd love for you to yeah, yeah, say right. that. Yeah. So, so Joe Horn coming, uh, Morgan coming back, and uh, you know coming back off that injury, and he looks good. Mm -hmm. He's starting to, to smooth out, and obviously his speed is something that we need and we want. Um, but uh, you know, uh, Andy Tanner's a guy that seems to always come up during training camp this time yeah, of year, does. right? And uh, man makes play after play, and so it, it really exciting. I mean, obviously the established guys that that we have that played last year, and obviously Kenny Stills is still growing, and but uh, but these guys that that are getting opportunities in camp to to show what they can do uh, over and over again are, are showing up, making good plays for us. Hey, Luke. Last thing I want to ask you real quick, and that's this. You know, as far as the preseason game goes on Friday, where there's somewhat of a uh, planned. Um, Revolution, if you will. When do, when do you give me some insight on when you find out about what that's going to be like and how you prepare for it? Well, um, I, I don't know when I'll find out, um, but, but the way I prepare for it is the same as I do, you know, every other day, and that's that's you know making sure I'm on top of my reads, my checks, uh, my uh, uh, command of the huddle, um, and playing with good tempo, and, and that's kind of my focus, whether uh, I play one series or six series or the whole game or whatever it might be. Thanks, Luke. You got it. Yep. When we come back, Sean will be back to talk with ESPN NFL analyst John Clayton. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact... The only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com. Your first stop when following your teams. Well, our next guest you see all the time on ESPN talking football, and it seems like he never gets a day off. Well, he didn't have the day off yesterday as John Clayton was at Saints camp and was gracious enough to chat with Sean Kelly. 
John, I just saw you chatting there with Mickey Loomis. You guys go back a long way, don't yeah, you? Yeah, we really do. Yeah. I mean, because I, I started covering a team in 86, and so he was back there. I came from the Steelers, you know, when I was there, you know, pretty much started when I was 17 years old covering the Steelers. And so it was interesting because, you know, they had just built a new facility. It was a perfect thing. Chuck Knox was the Pittsburgh guy. You know, Mickey was the uh, business guy in the office. You know, Randy Mueller was there. I mean, it was a great situation to go into. Plus, it was a fun team. I mean, Chuck Knox made it fun. Great organization with Mike McCormick as the general manager. So what do you think of him overseeing an NBA team now, too? How about that dynamic? Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of unusual because I didn't know, you know what basketball stuff he have. And, you know, I don't know if he's into the basketball sabermetrics part of it that's all on NBA.com. I don't know if he has enough time to be able to do that. I know how good he is with numbers. I know how good he is with business. But, yeah, the NBA is a little bit different than I would think. But, you know, like you said, though, some of the things that have translated over the years for him with his NFL front office success probably, I guess, can translate over there too. Oh yeah, because I mean, yeah. what it comes down to is, you know, being being able to be a problem solver. You know, whether it's going to be from the financial standpoint, whether the cap standpoint, mm -hmm. and then be able to take the experiences he's had, and he's had so many great experiences. You know, being able to go ahead and do the things that he did in Seattle. You know, ownership change, things of that nature. You know, coming here and really getting things going and getting everything going well. So it's only natural because he can take the things that he learned from football, take them over to basketball, hire enough good people to make sure that if there's anything missing. I mean, you can see that you know he's got 30 years of experience in sports, and so you put that all together, that has to translate into success, even if it's the NBA. John, you watched practice today here at the Greenbrier. What were some of your takeaways from watching them work out? Well, I mean, it's a little tough to make judgments, you know, because it was no Drew Brees and Jari Evans wasn't there and Ben Grubbs. But, you know, when you look on paper, and so what I was trying to do was fill in the dots in some of the papers, is that, you know, you get the feeling that it may not be the best team in the league, but it clearly slated to be the number one seed in the NFC. I mean, that's the thing that I came out with because I was trying to look to confirm. It's a little harder when some of the better players aren't out there. But, I mean, when you look, it's like Drew Brees is going to be Drew Brees. Yeah. The offensive line is going to be the offensive line. So you know that's going to work well. And you know that, you know, Sean Payton gets another little weapon to come in there and try to open some things out. You know the creativity there. Mm -hmm. You know how it just hit hard and how good the defense is. I mean, it's going to be growth. And so, you know, the key is trying to get through this season, going 5-1 and one or 6-0 and oh in the division, and then trying to get that home game into the playoffs as opposed to being on the road. And I think when you look at the schedule, you look at the schedule in the NFC West, you look at the schedule in the NFC North, you know, those two divisions are going to be tougher than some of the challenges there for the Saints because Detroit's going to be better, Chicago's going to be better. You look at the NFC West, that division is ridiculous. Yeah. And that's maybe where I'm curious as to what you're using as the separator from the Saints to those other teams that we've seen the last two seasons dominate the NFC. Well, again, what it comes down to, I mean, schedule's so important yeah. in all this. I mean, look <clears throat> look what happened in the AFC last year with Denver. Now, Denver was, with New England, the two best teams for talent in the conference, but they hit the NFC East at the right time. And so what ends up happening, you have Denver, Kansas City, and San Diego going 11-1 and against the NFC East. Consequently, three teams make the playoffs from that division. That's the schedule. Okay, so now how's the schedule breaking nicely for New Orleans? Okay, they open against Atlanta. If they win that game, a lot is in their favor right now. Even if they lose it, they can still go 5-1 and one in the division. Right. But, you know, Carolina's down right now. 
four wide receivers they're changing over. The left tackle's gone. You know, they only have two tackle options right now, and they lose a cornerback, they lose a safety. You know, that's a lot of losses when you really put that together. And, you know, you've got Cam Newton really didn't have a great offseason because he was coming off some ankle problems. So that's a problem there. You know, Tampa Bay's in transition. You know, okay, fine. I think that Lovey Smith's done a great job of revamping that offense, but it's still going to be going to a guy who's pretty much for the last six, seven years been a backup quarterback in Josh McCown. He can do some good things, but is he going to equal what's there for Matt Ryan? Is he going to equal what's there for Drew Brees? And I think that's going to be a challenge and probably one that's going to fall short. Yeah, all good points there. You know, I think that this time of year we can beat storylines into the ground, especially at the league level. Um, is there a storyline that you've got for me that maybe hasn't emerged yet that I should keep my eye on? Just emerged two weeks ago when uh, – all of a sudden, the officials are down in the officials meeting in Dallas, and they say, guess what? We're going to call more illegal contact. Mm -hmm. We're going to call more personal uh, interceptions, and we're going to call more defensive holdings. It totally changes the game. Go back to 2004. In 2004, Mike Pereira was involved as supervisor and officials. He was involved in changing that. They went from 79 co illegal contacts to 191. Now, you're going to see so much of it in the preseason, but what you're going to have, you know, you have teams right now wanting to try to get more aggressive. I mean, for example, I just recently saw the New England Patriots. They got Darrell Revis. They got Brandon Browner. Well, there may be a few flags that are going there. Even though Revis is talented enough to avoid the flags, Brandon Browner's one is the best grabber at the line of scrimmage, holds you for five yards, but if he takes you more than five yards, there comes a flag. I mean, so, you know, Seattle has a very aggressive defensive uh, group as far as their coverage. Denver got a keep to leave to be more aggressive. I mean, you've got all these teams now trying to be more aggressive. That's going to be taken away because what Dean Blandino told the officials, because they asked him, it's like, hey, Dean, if all of a sudden teams think that they can get away with it and they're not going to call every play, what do we do? He says, if you see it done five times, throw five flags. What that does, think about New Orleans. Is there a linebacker in, in football that can match up in man-to-man -man coverage with Jimmy Graham knowing he will only have five yards of contact and no ability to touch. No, you're right. And the explosive numbers we saw last year are only going to go on the rise. Yeah, but so what's, what's going to be interesting to see if the Saints were ahead of the curve last year in getting to the three safety set because that may be more teams are going to go mm -hmm. to because now you can take a corner or you can take a safety and match him up against that guy. Now, again, he's still going to have the advantage of height, size, all those different things, but better coverage ability and maybe no holding. Sean Payton said coming into camp that he wanted to truly emphasize, and we hear this a lot, that we want to run the football better, we want to defend the run better. How does the run play into this change in the passing game that you're alluding to? Well, what it does, I mean, I think you saw it in the playoffs last year, particularly in the two playoff games. It can hold the game down where you can try to get that spurt on offense when you want to go no huddle and do those different things. Right. I mean, because, you know, now you can get in there with two tight end sets and then just try to, you know, keep it, keep it down a little bit. Just try to, you know, power the way in there, be a little bit different, and then try to exhaust some of the defensive players in some of those ways. So it's like, that's one way to do it, but it's you have to have balance. I mean, when you really look at a lot of the playoff teams that lose, I mean, look at Cincinnati. You know, they end up with Andy Dalton going to the playoffs three straight times, but he passed way too much. You need to balance that run because what it does, you know, it gets the ability to, you know, open some things up in the middle of the field or that. So it's like run the ball is a balancing act. It's still a passing league, but you still need to run it. Great stuff, John. I always appreciate it. Thanks. Good stuff there from John and Sean. And when we come back, let's get a Rams perspective on tomorrow's matchup. Scott Warman from KMOX Radio in St. Louis is up next on the Black and Blue Report. 
Gatorade knows every victory starts from within. It's the determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. That's how greatness comes from within. Win from within. Smoothie King asks, what's your purpose? My name is Trish, and I want more balance in my life. I feel like all I do is rush from one place to the next and end up grabbing a burger along the way. And then I feel guilty, and I start thinking, I need to spend an hour on the elliptical, but I don't have time. I want to eat better. I want to feel better. That's my purpose. We can blend that. Find your balance with the new Greek yogurt smoothies naturally powered by Chobani. Find pleasure in your purpose at Smoothie King. Gatorade knows every victory starts from within. It's the determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. That's how greatness comes from within. Win from within. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Time to get a St. Louis perspective on tomorrow's preseason game. And to help us with that, I would like to welcome Scott Warman from KMOX Radio to the show. Scott, good to have you on. Hey, Daniel. Thanks so much. Good to be with you, buddy. Scott, I want to start with Sam Bradford, who missed a good part of last season with a torn ACL. How has he looked so far in training camp? He's looked pretty good, to be quite honest with you, Daniel. You know, there was uh, after he went through his surgery, uh, he actually really flew through the offseason and for the most part, I think, was maybe even a little bit ahead of schedule. Got some work during OTAs uh, during the spring and, and early summer, which I don't think at first maybe because of that injury, Daniel, they had anticipated that. But Bradford did get some work in. And then once uh, training camp had started uh, a week ago Friday, almost two weeks ago from yesterday, uh, Jeff Fisher had claimed that uh, Sam Bradford was 100%. And one of the things that we've seen in practice is a team that – I think most people believe it's going to be more of a run-oriented in their offensive attack. They've really been very, I guess you would almost call it liberal as far as throwing the football downfield. I guess they're really starting to test not only this young wide receiving core, but also Sam Bradford. And we've seen that a lot during training camp, Daniel. And uh, Sam Bradford uh, has looked really good, uh, especially during their scrimmage uh, that they had at the Edward Jones Dome last week. Uh, unfortunately for Saints fans, they're probably not going to see him tomorrow night. I don't think he's going to dress out. Uh, that's just uh, head coach Jeff Fisher's decision. But right now, Bradford looks good, and uh, that would bode very well for the Rams to try to take it to the next step in, in Jeff Fisher's third year as the head coach. Now that brings me to my next question. You just mentioned Bradford won't play tomorrow. How much do you think we'll see of Bradford in the preseason? I think probably after this weekend, uh, next week, the, the Rams host the Green Bay Packers. I think uh, you'll probably see a lot of him probably in, in game two, or I would assume that that would be the case. And then obviously we all know the third preseason game is when a lot of the starters get a lot of clock. So you'll probably see a little bit more time with Sam Bradford than take off the fourth week and then get ready for the regular season. Uh, the other two that probably won't see any action tomorrow as far as the offensive line is concerned is veteran uh, tackle Jake Long, who's coming off a knee injury and actually is a little bit ahead of schedule, as well as Scott Wells, the, the center that they acquired a couple of years ago as a free agent, formerly at the Green Bay Packers. So they're just the guys that have you know, long in the tooth, been there before, I think uh, they feel comfortable with, that they don't want to throw them out there, especially those two offensive linemen. And I think it's, I don't know if it's necessarily, Daniel, a precautionary thing with Sam Bradford, but I think they want to just want to see not only Sean Hill, who's the new backup quarterback, 
but they got a, quite a battle going on for the number three quarterback. Will it be Austin Davis or uh, Gilbert, the young man that they drafted in this past draft in, in May from SMU, who's actually looked uh, pretty good and opened some eyes. So those will be the three guys that the Rams will show the New Orleans fans coming up uh, tomorrow night in St. Louis. Now you mentioned the running game a little bit. Zach Stacy had a nice rookie season, rushing for almost 1,000 yards last year. Uh, you mentioned how much more running is is the goal is to take the pressure off Sam Bradford when he's back and healthy and use Zach Stacy in that running game a lot more. Yeah, I think that's going to be the case. Not only using Zach Stacy, and of course uh, he had a terrific career with Vanderbilt, and I think he kind of surprised and opened some eyes uh, during his uh, first year. After the first four weeks, he really kind of took the reins, if you will, at the running back position. Uh, but they have an undrafted rookie from last year, Benny Cunningham, who played over at Middle Tennessee State, and he can provide uh, some some good carries. He's, he's a between-the-tackles type of rusher, uh, kind of like Zach Stacy. But I think the other guy you'll probably see a good amount of him, actually saw a lot of him on uh, Monday and Tuesday in practice, is Trey Mason, the running back that they selected in the third round from Auburn. And he's going to be probably one of the, the guys that's going to be a nice change of pace back uh, for Zach Stacy and Benny Cunningham, we were between the tackles. Obviously, Mason's a guy that can kind of get to the outside. He also returned, has been returning some kickoffs during uh, parts of training camp. So I think with those three guys, and especially Daniel, you look at this offensive line. I mentioned Wells and especially Jake Long. They draft a guy like Greg Robinson. These are guys that are probably more of their strength is a run-oriented um, as far as their offensive line is concerned and how they block. That's probably more of their strength than pass blocking. In fact, Greg Robinson said during OTAs that he's kind of swimming a little bit <clears throat> as far as trying to figure out how to do the pass protections and learning the playbook. And when asked the question at the beginning of the training camp, he said, shoot, after OTAs were over with, all he did was basically spend time learning you know, how to, how to do things with pass protections and the playbook and everything. So he seems to be caught up to speed and He's going to be the one guy I think that they're going to have out there, maybe even into the third quarter in tomorrow night's game, just to get him a good feel for for the National Football League. Potential for Auburn rookies making an impact on the Rams early yeah. on. Scott Warman from KMOX Radio in St. Louis. We're talking with him, previewing tomorrow's Rams-Saints game. Scott, last year the Rams ranked 30th in total offense, 15th in total defense. I know every team looks to improve both the offense and defense during the offseason, but where do you think the emphasis is on in during training camp? Is it more the focus on the offense, or is it more this defense? Great question, Daniel. I think probably more is focused on the offense because, you know, as we opened up the conversation, you know, where is Sam Bradford at? Because he, he is a key, obviously, for the Rams to take the next step and for this offense to um, provide a little bit more of a spark. They showed it from time to time. Some real people really believe that, you know, if Bradford didn't go down with the injury, the Rams could have had an even better record than what they finished up with uh, last year. So, you know, if you get a healthy Bradford and you have these wide receivers emerging and you have an offensive line who has the potential to be good as long as they stay healthy, that's the biggest key, then, yeah, I think the Rams can have success. So I think that's more of a focus. I think most people, Daniel, really believe that defensively this – this may be one of the toughest defensive lines, if not the best defensive line, in all the National Football League. And I can tell you firsthand, uh, being out of camp, that <laughs> there are times when Sam Bradford can't even get to his five-step drop back before he's got guys breathing down his oh, wow. neck. I mean, when you when you have Quinn, Robert Quinn, of course, who went to a Pro Bowl, and people really 
kind of believe, at least in these parts, that Chris Long maybe deserved to go to the Pro Bowl two years ago. And Aaron Donald, the other number one, our first-round draft pick from Pitt, he's just been a monster inside. And you also add Michael Brockers to the mix, who was a a first overall draft choice, or first-round draft choice a couple of years ago. And you have depth. I mean, I'm telling you, Daniel, this front four is going to be something else. And on top of that, you have James Laurinaitis in the middle, and you have Alec Ogletree, formerly from Georgia, who had a terrific rookie season. Here's a young man that can play all over the field, has great skill. Jeff Fisher was so high on him and excited that they got him in the draft, even trading down back in 2013. Um, The biggest thing for the Rams, I think, is from a defensive standpoint, Daniel, is the fact that getting more takeaways. And that's one of the things that – new defensive coordinator who obviously you guys are familiar with, mm-hmm. Greg Williams down there, is really drilling into his players his turnovers, whether it's you know picking the ball off or going and trying to get the strips and getting fumbles, and that's something that you know Greg is really pressing on his team. And I think there are going to be opportunities just because of how much pressure we at least believe uh, that this defensive line is, is going to be able to provide. Uh, to give those guys, especially the young defensive backfield, opportunities to maybe get some turnovers, which obviously is a a huge part of having success in any football team. That was one of the things way back 15 years ago when the Rams and Saints were in the same division and Dick Vermeil was the head coach. He he was a huge guy that always pressed his players about, you know, the turnover margins, holding on the football and taking the football away. And you look at the numbers and and the stats pretty much – you know, live up to that. And that's one thing that Greg Williams is definitely doing with the Rams defense. You can tell in training camp is trying to get those turnovers. Now you were mentioning the defense. You did not mention Michael Sam, who is obviously a pretty big topic in St. Louis. Is that media circus finally starting to die down a little bit? And also what are his chances of making this Rams team? Great question. Um, It's, it's died down. I don't think it's really been a circus just for the simple fact. And I even said this before the draft that, you know, Michael Sam's going to get an opportunity, and with the media circus that you're ta- alluding to, Daniel, I think guys who have been in the league for many years as a head coach, like a Jeff Fisher, uh, a Bill Belichick, let's even say an Andy Reid, Sean's been around the, the league for a little while down in New Orleans, but I think when you have guys, especially that have been around the league for a long time as head coaches, they're able to temper the situation and try to make sure that it doesn't get out of control and affect the team. And I don't think that has been really, to be quite honest with you, the case at all. I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's obviously a, a big topic of conversation. Everybody wants to talk about it, but I think the Rams have pretty much kept it, you know, in tow, so to speak, and it's not gotten out of control. As far as Michael Sam is concerned, uh, he's had his good days and his bad days. I mean, the one thing that happened right before training camp is he was a little bit out of shape during OTAs and, uh, Michael lost about 15 pounds, and one of the things, and, and Michael realizes this and, and has talked about it several times, he, he knows the depth of the, the defensive line with this Rams team, and if he's going to be that ninth defensive lineman that could potentially make the 53-man roster, um, he's got to do really well on special teams. So I think more than anything else for Michael, it's uh, it's his ability, and it, I, obviously he's shown the commitment by losing so much weight from uh, the one-month period between the end of the Rams OTAs at the end of June and, and the startup of, uh, of training camp in July that, you know, this he's focused and he wants to make this team and he doesn't want to, all this other stuff that, you know, everybody talks about his personal life. He, he just wants to play football and, and be a part of a successful football team and what he did when he was at the 
at the University of Missouri. And I, Daniel, I, I think the, the young man is really focused. But to make the team, that's another question. Like I just mentioned, you know, when you have as much depth as, as the Rams have on their defensive line, the biggest question comes down to does the defensive line coach, does the defensive coordinator, is Jeff Fisher willing to keep nine defensive linemen when you are you know, stacked up with a 53-man roster? And what does the special teams coach, John Fossil, does he think that Michael Sam can provide something for the special team? So it's going to be – I think Michael Sam will be right down to that final cut down. And you know what? If he winds up not making it, it would not surprise me one iota that if nobody picks him up that he gets put on the practice squad. They, they, I really, truly believe that they want to give this young man every opportunity – to try to get a chance to make it in the National Football League. Well, he'll get his first taste of the NFL tomorrow as the Rams take (laughs) on the New Orleans Saints. That's Scott Warman from KMOX Radio in St. Louis. Scott, thanks for the time this morning. Hey, Daniel. Thanks so much, buddy. When we come back, I'll wrap things up on this Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Good show today. Our thanks to Luke McCown, John Clayton, Scott Warman, and Sean Kelly for their contributions on today's show. I'll be back in the hosting chair tomorrow since both Sean and JD will be prepping for their broadcast tomorrow night when the Saints take on the Rams in St. Louis. You can watch the Saints vs. Rams on CST tomorrow night. Joel Meyer, Sean Kelly, and John Stinchcomb will have the call in the booth. And Mike Neighbors and John DeShazer will be on the sidelines for the game. The game will be broadcasted also on NFL Network, but might be subject to blackout in the New Orleans area. But if you are outside the area, there's a good chance you can watch it if you have the NFL Network. Speaking of Joel Myers, he'll be one of my guests tomorrow as we will preview Saints and Rams and hear his thoughts on the black and gold. And speaking of black and gold, former Saints running back Deuce McAllister will also be on, and we'll hear more about what he has to say about this year's team and also we'll be talking more Rams as Joe Lyons who covers a team for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch will join us to preview tomorrow night's game. So another good show is lined up for you tomorrow on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. No word yet on the NBA schedule but it seems likely that we won't see a Pelican schedule until next week sometime. I am just as anxious as you guys as we're only a couple months away from Pelicans basketball. Well, until tomorrow, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Black and Blue Report, and have a terrific rest of your Thursday. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. 
Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.